Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Thursday. It is February 18th. Welcome to another edition of the Basement Academy. Great to welcome you today as we have begun our Lenten season, our Lenten journey together. Uh, Hopefully you've had a chance to view that um, Ash Wednesday service that we posted up on the church website. If not, let me encourage you to go ahead and uh, take maybe 20, 25 minutes out of your day to join the, the, the Greenwich Church family in marking the beginning of our Lenten season together. Our morning psalm is uh, one of my favorites. I guess I say that all the time, don't I? Psalm 108. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my wash basin, upon Edom I toss my sandal. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who have rejected us and no longer go out with our enemies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies." Psalm 108. It begins with this sweet call to worship. My heart is steadfast. I awaken the dawn. O harp and lyre, I will sing of you among the nations and peoples. Let your glory be over all the earth. But then we're reminded that the the faith and hope and love are expressed in the context of struggle, uh, the, the context of enemies. And at times it appears that God is no longer with us. God, you, you no longer go out with our armies. And so it's this, uh, it's an appropriate <laughs> Lenten Psalm, the, the call to praise and the call to faith in the context of the struggle against the enemy. And so may God give us steadfast hearts in the midst of our challenging days, our brokenness, both personal brokenness, the brokenness of our families and our our world. And so uh, let me commend to you Psalm Psalm 108 today. Okay, let's uh, let's dive back into our questions. I, I do want to maybe add one additional thought from our reflections over these last couple days about woke movements and woke church and woke uh, ideology and and woke efforts. This being awakened to the systemic realities of power and injustice and oppression. 
uh, I, I spoke, I, if you listen to the last couple of days, you know that I've spoken uh, quite strongly. Um, uh, the, the mob, you cannot really stand against the mob. If you stand against the mob, you will be trampled by the mob. And, and I spoke very openly about the call to martyrdom, to be a witness. We witness to the mob, even though we may die reputationally, as some have done, or physically. Um, and so there are realities. I realize those were strong words. And then yesterday, speaking about the woke movement that is that is just sweeping our nation and every aspect of our our life here in America. Speaking of the wokeness of uh, as being destructive of freedom and of community uh, and of our society and of the church, I stand by those words. Um, but I was a little surprised. I, I went back and kind of listened to some of what I said. I was like, I said that pretty strongly, and I I'm usually not that strident in uh, what I say. <clears throat> Surely it can't be all that bad. Surely there is some good that is coming from the woke movement. And, and so I, I kind of found myself musing on that question. So I'm posing the question to myself, isn't woke doing some good? And I guess it's a yes and a no. Yes, in the sense that there is a goading, there is a, a stirring, a churning, there's a confronting in our society that's going on. That there are problems. There is injustice. Race and and other realities are are still with us, and they're still harming people and and limiting the the the, the flourishing, the full flourishing of our uh, society and our nation. Um, woke is disrupting the status quo. And that's not all bad. It's not all good, but it's not all bad. And so, yes, to the degree that the woke movement is 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 stirring and, and poking, and I'm certainly provoked. It is provoking engagement. It is provoking conversation. It's provoking thought. But it's kind of a yes and a no. You could say, well, the serpent's words in the garden were not all bad, were they? Well, you know, they were bad. They were, they were twisting and deceptive and, and, and seduced Adam and Eve into sin that was so tragic. But from that came the Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. Uh, Pharaoh's words certainly, and Pharaoh's actions certainly weren't all bad, were they? Well, he hardened his heart and, and, and you know, was harmful of the, the Israelite community. But through Pharaoh's hardened heart, God displayed his glory, right? We, we know that. And so God demonstrated power and deliverance uh, despite Pharaoh's hardness of heart. Surely Judas's actions were not all bad, were they? Well, he betrayed the Savior. He betrayed his friend for 30 pieces of, of silver. But through Judas's betrayal, <laughs> Jesus went to the cross to accomplish our salvation. <laughs> so you could say the serpent's words, Pharaoh's hardness of heart, Judas's betrayal were not all bad, were they? Well, no, they weren't all bad because God works all things for the good of those who love him, 
and are called according to his purpose. That was bad for the serpent. It was bad for Pharaoh. It was bad for Judas, right? (laughs) And so uh, is the woke movement like that? I'm saying the woke movement is the serpent and it's Pharaoh and it's Judas. And I'm saying, yes, I believe it is that destructive because it's based on a lie. It's it's a half-truth that is hooking people. Now, are there good things that are coming from it? Are we becoming aware that there is racial injustice at a new and deep level? Yes. But the solution that the woke movement offers is not redemptive. It's saying the sin is whiteness. The sin is not whiteness. The sin is sin. <laughs> the sin is rebellion against God. The, the, the sin is how a white community might erect um, a, a, a form a moral tribe and then try to protect our own, but it's not whiteness. It's sin in white people, but there's sin in black people too. <laughs> and there's sin in, in uh, Asian people and Hispanic people and Australian people and African people. Every human society does this. This is just our version of moral tribalism and, a, and an attempt to keep one people under the thumb. I'm not, I'm not going to quarrel with the fact that that has happened in our society. Let me urge you as a Lenten exercise. We spoke the other day about spiritual exercises and disciplines, fasting and praying, etc. Let me, let me ask you, please, to watch the PBS special. It, it's just been airing this week and it will air... I'm sure for many uh, weeks to come. It's entitled The Black Church. I watched nearly all of it uh, last night. Uh, it's just, it's two parts and, and it, it, it'll take you, each part's a couple hours, so it'll take you a while. But I was moved by that. It, there was this strange awareness that the black church in America is the persecuted church. We, we pray from time to time for the persecuted church. The black church in America is belongs to the persecuted church. Now, there's persecuted Christians in other parts of the world, but there are persecuted Christians here in the black church. And sadly, it is the persecutors are not those outside the church. Sadly, many times the persecutors have been those inside the church, the white church. And so uh, watch it. Uh, I, will, I will watch it, probably will watch it a second time just to, just to get it in, inside me. And you may, you may quarrel with me on, on what I've just said, um, but watch it. And if you pay attention in episode one, maybe halfway through when we're talking about, uh, when it talks about Sherman marching to Savannah, and meeting with black clergy, he meets in a house that was owned by a man named Charles Green. Oh my goodness. Greenwich shows up in this PBS special. I knew of the Green House there in Savannah. It's now known as the Green Mildrum House. It was purchased from the Green family. Charles Green, who built our historic chapel, who owns that property just to, who owned that property just to the east of the church known as that of the lawn right across Burwell um, Charles Green also owned a home in Savannah and he opened his home to William Tecumseh Sherman General Sherman um, and there Sherman met with black clergy it's it's a fascinating part of the story I did not know so Greenwich even shows up in this um, so So surely there's some good that comes out of woke. Yes, 
but on the whole, it is, it is destructive, it is harmful, it's false, it's misleading. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll wrestle more uh, in the future, but I wanted to, to kind of toss that out. Okay, let's answer one question uh, with the balance of our time. Uh, this question has to do with creation and the, and the Genesis stories. Please explain the difference between young earth creationists, old earth creationists, and theistic evolutionists. I have read that the Hebrew word used in Genesis chapter 1 for day, that is, there was evening and morning, the first day, etc., that that Hebrew word is used elsewhere in the Old Testament and always refers to a literal 24-hour day. Does the Presbyterian denomination have a stand on this, and will you share your personal beliefs on this issue? That is, Don. Great question. Uh, great, great question about, about creation. Let me just answer the first question, portion of the question real easily. Young earth creationists believe that God created and that he created approximately 6,000 years ago. They get there by stringing together all of the genealogies and any time references that we have in the Bible, just stringing those all together, not assuming any kind of gap in between where there's silence, as it were, um, and, and you get about 6,000 years, okay? And so uh, many um, uh, faithful Christians are young earth creationists. Just Bible said it, I believe it, that's how it is. I add the numbers up and I get 6,000, okay? So that's the young earth creation position. The old earth creationists similarly agree that God and believe that God created the, 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 the heavens and the earth. That's what the text says but that it wrestles with this and says, well, you know, it might be millions and millions of years old. You know, you look at scientific data, et cetera, and sedimentary rock and, and the like. And so, the, you know, the, the old earth creationists are willing to go in the direction of, um, you know, the, 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 it's been here for a while, much longer than 6,000 years, but that God did intervene, you know, and he created in, in such a manner. But the word day is not understood as a literal 24-hour day. So the Hebrew word yom, day, um, like our own English word day, has a range of meaning. We've talked about it in the translation work, right? Ranges of meaning. And so day can refer to the daylight hours. It can refer to a 24-hour period, and it can refer to an epoch or an era, okay? Back in the day, we say, right? And so... Um, The theistic evolution uh, position is that it, it kind of leans much more towards an evolutionary, um, you know, development uh, kind of species evolve into other species over time. Uh, maybe what do the evolutionists say? We're about 13 billion years old or something like that. The theistic evolutionary position holds that. God started it all, and then he started an evolutionary process, and the human family is the, the top of that evolutionary process. Um, I, I'm not there. I'm somewhere probably between a young earth and an old earth creationist, but I'm really none of the above because I don't think that's what Genesis is trying to do. Genesis is not trying to establish when creation happened. 
It is not trying to establish um, how it happened, other than to say that God spoke it into being. And so Genesis and, and, the, and the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation is not intended to be a scientific manual in any way. Um, it, it is, it, it's not, it, it's got history in it, but it's not trying to establish the timing of creation history. Now, my young earthers will disagree with me and let's thank you for your understanding that I hold a, to a different view of that. Here's why I come at it this way. Okay, so, so this, I'm going to lean into wh what's my position. Okay, so my position is that there are two creation stories in Genesis, chapters one and two. Genesis one is orienting us to time. Genesis two is orienting us in space. And so you've got the seven or the six days of creation, then God rests on the seventh. That's Genesis one. Genesis two is very different. God scoops the dust of the earth. He breathes into uh, that, forms a man, Adam, out, causes Adam to go to sleep after he sees there's no suitable helper amongst the animal kingdom. And then he plucks out of Adam's uh, rib, out of his side, and, and fashions the woman. Very different story. So Genesis 1, God, let us make man in our image. We talked about that um, uh, last week. And in the image of God, he made them male and female, okay? So Genesis 1 is the human family was made on the sixth day. Genesis 2 is kind of made male and female at different times and, you know, different order with the animals, et cetera, et cetera. Genesis is trying to get us oriented. God created, I believe that wholeheartedly, and we inhabit space and we inhabit time. Okay. Now the Genesis one story also can be understood quite poetically, which doesn't say, I don't think it's true, but that it's, it's clearly presented to us as poetry. One, two, there, there's strophic, there's repetitive phrases. And then God said, and then God said, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, evening and morning the second day. Okay. So it's like stanzas of a hymn which perhaps is how we should think about it. But there is a framework where there's a correspondence between days one and four, days two and five, days three and six. It's like, huh, I don't think I know what you're talking about there, Don. So days one and four correspond. On day one, God said, let there be light and so we've got the realm of light and dark. And then on day four, he makes the sun and moon, the sun to govern the day and the moon to govern the night. So there's a realm, as it were, and then there's an inhabitant of that realm, the sun and moon. Day two, you've got the sea and sky. And on day five, you have the fish and the birds. You have a realm that's created, sea and sky. You have inhabitants or dwellers of those realms, fish and uh, birds. And then on day three, you have the land uh, and the vegetation. And on day six, you have the animals and then the crown of God's creation, the human family bearing God's image to rule over all of the animals and the birds and the fish, etc. 
And then over day, on day seven, God rules over all. So there is a framework. There's a corresponding day one and four, two and five, three and six. There's this framework that says there's a realm and a ruler or inhabitant of that realm. Hmm. I've never seen it that way before. I think that's what's going on. And so what's being conveyed here is much more of a theological understanding. It's not about science and history, but theology that God created and God fashioned everything and there's order and purpose. And so there's order, there's realms, and then there's inhabitants and rulers over that realm. And then God places the human family to rule over all. And then God rules over us. Okay. So we rule over the created order. We're the stewards of the garden as it were. And then God rules over all of us and that we give our proper worship and we're in relationship with God and with one another. This is what life is to be about. But we know that's not how the story ends, right? <laughs> With Adam and Eve living happily ever after. There's Genesis 3, and of course, the sin that enters. And so Genesis is a book of origins, and the origins of this world are in God. When God started the world, how God started the world... <laughs> You know, all the scientific and historical uh, endeavors that we engage in, you know, maybe maybe futile in some way. I don't think that's what Genesis is trying to affirm. Now, a comment about theistic and naturalistic or materialistic evolution, theistic or a versus atheistic evolution. Again, I'm not going to quarrel with anybody. Uh, if you're a young earth creationist, don't be mad at me. If you're an old earth creationist, don't be mad at me. If you're a theistic evolutionist, don't be mad at me. I don't think any of it matters. What matters is what you and I do today, okay? Now, we affirm that God created, okay? Now, materialistic or naturalistic evolution denies that there is a God. All they say is that there is matter. It's just matter and energy. And they would like point to the Big Bang, and, and they would say matter and energy, that, that, that energy exploded at some point, and now this matter is hurtling out into space and still hurtling, right? I could see that, you know, what we talk about as the Big Bang or what the scientists talk about as the Big Bang would be God saying, let there be light. I, I'm okay with that. Again, I don't think that's the biggest issue. Let, let me offer a thought exercise to give you, go, hmm, okay. Now, I reject atheistic or materialistic evolution, which says there is no God, there is no designer, any design we happen to find in the, the natural order, because they wouldn't talk about created order. Uh, atheistic or materialistic or naturalistic evolutionists which is the prevailing view within the scientific community and within higher and really secondary education. Our kids are taught this, that it's really evolution. There's nothing about creation. <clears throat> I reject that. Evolution as a statement of origins. There is no God. There's just energy and matter. Um, how can those folks answer where the energy and matter came from. Well, th they have to be silent on that, right? Because we can't say, but we just say, well, energy and matter came from God. 
And they say, well, you can't prove that. And, and well, you can't prove it's not that way. Um, and so there are leaps of faith, as it were, um, that, are, that are made uh, within the evolutionary uh, community. But let, let me offer a thought exercise. So for, for Christians, why I don't think it matters that much, the timing of when the earth was made. So if we take, um, if we take the story at face value, God creates the earth, God creates the mountains, God creates the trees, he creates the seas, he, he scoops the dust of the earth, breathes into Adam. At the moment that Adam is one second old, he, you know, he, all of a sudden there's breath in his lungs and he's, he blinks, blinks, blinks and looks around. He's one second old, he's one minute old, he's one hour old. How old does Adam appear? You know, I've never thought about that, huh? Have you ever thought about that? Most of our portrayals of Adam that we see in storybooks and the like, you know, have him as a young person. So 20, let's call him 20 or 25 years old. Okay, so Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. At, at, at one second old, at one hour old, at one day old, when, when God fashions Eve out of the rib and, and then, you know, Adam recognizes bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, here's my corresponding partner, that, that you complete me. Eve is one hour old, but she appears 25 years old. When that mountain is one minute old, it appears to be one million years old. I don't know. The point is, I do believe in a spontaneous creation. Everybody does, right? Even the big bangers say, you know, all of a sudden, boom, explodes. There's matter and energy. And all of a sudden you have matter hurtling through space. How old is that matter? It's one second old, right? It's one hour old. It's one day old. It's one year old. And as we measure time chronologically, right? But it appears older than it is. So I believe God created a world that appears to be older than it is. That's, so that's my position. I took a long time to get there. <laughs> I apologize for that. But that's my position. And I think that squares with the text. So that's why I say young earth, old earth, theistic evolution, it is, that does not matter to me. What does matter to me is God created. There is design in creation. Science works. That There's order in creation. That's why science, the scientific endeavor works because there's patterns and, and, and things repeat <laughs> and there's order and there's balance and there's electrons and protons and neutrons and there's chemicals and there's a periodic table. And so the scientific enterprise that we are engaged in in the human family is thinking God's thoughts after him to understand this great and grand and glorious and majestic world that he has made. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so there is folly that, that, that dwells in the scientific community that rejects God. And we see science taking us in directions that are in places, I think, quite concerning. 
um, because the, ev the, the atheistic materialistic evolutionists, some believe that we're continuing on an evolutionary path and that we'll evolve beyond humanity into something that some call the singularity, where there is kind of like machine intelligence and um, human intelligence. There is a merging of the, the machine and the human, the artificial. And so artificial intelligence, all the stuff that's going on, we just should pay attention to this, okay? I'm not an anti-science guy. Trust me, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that guy. But all human projects are laden with folly because of sin. And so let's not forget our theology and look at our scientists as high priests of some new um, religion because that's how they would fashion themselves. Almost with religious fervor, they pursue certain things, but denying God all the way. And so that's the human project that this is the Tower of Babel, right? To some degree, we will make a tower to the heavens and we will be as gods. It's that quest to control the world, to control other people. And that's the folly of sin that does trace us back to the Genesis story. So, okay, well, that's, that's probably long enough uh, for today. Hopefully I've given you a few things to think about. <laughs> um, and again, happy to entertain uh, so, some more questions. Um, just as an administrative note, I'll be off next week trying to clean up some vacation that I didn't take, uh, some annual leave I didn't take in 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, our uh, elders and uh, personnel committee have been gracious to grant uh, some carryover into the new year. And so I'll be out next week. So we'll wrap up Friday with one more uh, set of questions. We do have more questions to address. So we'll pick up on the other side of next week. Uh, I don't know what the timing of that'll be like, maybe March 1st or something like that. Um, and please feel free to keep sending in some questions if, if you want to. And we'll pick those back up. And then we'll probably do a deep dive uh, into the woke stuff, okay? Well, let's close with prayer. And uh, again, go watch that PBS special, The Black Church, over the next few days, okay? Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the beauty, the power, the joy, the majesty of your creation. We thank you for this Genesis narrative, these holy words that speak to us of your glory, your goodness and creation. Forgive us for our folly where we have uh, joined with the folly of uh, uh, the world and uh, no longer thinking your thoughts after you, but standing against you. We do that in so many ways, whether it's um, through scientific projects that deny your reality and power and involvement in this world or social projects that seek to oppress and diminish uh, other people. And so forgive us, O oh Lord, forgive us for all of our folly, all of our sin. Thank you for this holy season of Lent as we begin our Lenten journey. Lord, we pray that you would lead us to a deep, wise, mature, and wholehearted repentance that we might know and experience and experience the grace and love of God in our lives more fully than before. And so through this day, watch over us as we make our prayer now in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, may he cause his face to shine upon you and upon your loved ones this day and forevermore. Amen.